Happy Resurrection Day, everybody. It is so great that we have something bigger than this life to celebrate every day. Jesus is alive, and he is king. He is risen indeed. And yes, our regular church meeting place is empty today, but the grave is still empty. One is short-term, and the other is eternal. We started a series last Sunday called That You Might Believe. It comes from John 20 at verse number 31. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. John, who was the closest earthly friend Jesus had and his closest disciple, uh, lets us know that the eyewitness account given in his gospel is recorded with one primary motive in mind that you might believe. And so last Sunday, we talked about believing in the death of Christ. Today, naturally, we're talking about believing Jesus rose again. And let's all go to John chapter 20 this morning, and I'll give you a second to get there. John chapter 20, and I hope you'll read along with me uh, in your app or in your Bible as we talk about the resurrection account here in John's gospel. John 20, verse number 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. That's John, by the way. And saith unto them, They've taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher. And we know not where they've laid him. Peter, therefore, went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lying. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. You know, on this Easter Sunday, we're going to see four things that John experienced that made him so passionate about following the Holy Spirit's inspiration in recording an account of what had taken place so that we might believe. And so let's talk about these four things. And the first would be this. John saw the reality of the empty tomb. John saw the reality of the empty tomb. After Mary Magdalene ran to tell Peter and John that Jesus' body was gone, they hiked up their robes and, and ran to see for themselves. And John was a faster distance runner than Peter. Maybe he had uh, better sandals or he had the Nike sandals or whatever it was, but he got to the grave site first, and yet he was hesitant to go in. Peter arrived soon after and went into the garden tomb. The grave clothes were empty. The napkin that covered the head was in a place by itself. 
And then John went in. And when John saw the empty tomb for himself, he believed Jesus had risen. That was enough for him to trust in the resurrection. Believing in the resurrection was easy for John because he already believed that God was the creator and that Jesus was the Son of God. And on this day, the seed of faith in his life sprouted into a certainty. But he's going to see much more than just an empty tomb. His faith would be rewarded. By the way, someday all those who believe in Jesus will have their faith become sight. We will see Jesus with our own eyes. We will experience what John experienced. Jim Hill wrote this beautiful chorus, and maybe you remember this from uh, when you're growing up. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. And I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. Another songwriter who captured the reunion with Jesus, that meeting with Jesus, ironically had been blind since the age of eight years old. Her name was Fanny Crosby. And she wrote these words, I shall know him, I shall know him, and redeemed by his sign, I shall stand. I shall know him, I shall know him, by the print of the nails in his hand. And that's what John saw next. John was shown the wounds of the risen Christ. This is the second part of our message. John was shown the wounds of the risen Christ. On Sunday evening, Jesus suddenly appeared inside of the room where most of the disciples were hiding, and he didn't use the door. Jesus said, peace be unto you, and he showed the disciples his hands, those human hands, those helping hands, those hurting hands, those holy hands. He showed them his sign that had been pierced by the soldiers. And John's faith that was already so sure was confirmed even more. And those who saw the living Christ were glad. Now there was a disciple named Thomas who wasn't there when Jesus came. He missed the prayer meeting that night evidently. Uh, all the other disciples told him, of their eyewitness experience with the risen Christ. But he said, I won't believe unless I put my finger in the print of the nails for myself. You know, there are always people who struggle to believe. They struggle to believe things unless they have personally experienced them. Even things that are clearly true. Even things that are obvious and evident. From 1933 to 1945, over six million Jews were annihilated in the Holocaust. Do you know there are people all over the world in 2020 who deny the Holocaust ever happened? Now, why would somebody deny documented, uh, pictographed historical fact? Well, 
they weren't personally there. So if they weren't personally there, then it didn't happen. And same thing with the moon landings. Yeah, there are conspiracy theorists that think that the moon landings never happen. Why? Well, the theorist says, well, I wasn't personally there to confirm it. Now, I'll just let you in on some common sense here on this Easter Sunday. If you personally have to confirm everything before you believe in, you're going to be very limited in what you, what you can accomplish in this life. And I'm not saying that we should believe in everything just because somebody said it happened. Faith should be reasonable, and there should be evidence. But I will tell you that the Christian faith is the most reasonable faith on the planet. The creation cries out to us that there is a creator. The cross cries out that God loves the world and sent his son. And the empty tomb cries out to us that there is a life-giving Savior. And the disciples gave eyewitness accounts of the hands and the side of the risen Savior. Do you know over 500 people saw Jesus alive after he was dead? Now, it's a documented fact. And eight days later, Thomas got a second chance. Jesus appeared in their midst again. And he didn't use the door again. And this time he was present. Thomas was. And Jesus said to Thomas in John 20, 27, Reach hither thy finger. And behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Well, Jesus replied, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet believed. And hopefully, that's you. You haven't seen Jesus, but hopefully you've believed in Jesus. I've never seen Jesus in person, but I believe that he is the risen Savior just as strongly as I believe I have a kneecap, just as strongly as I believe I have hair on my head. And most people who constantly put off following Jesus because they claim to need more information, they wouldn't believe if they had that information. Look, I really have no idea how I'm preaching right now, and you are watching it on your phone in your kitchen because you just went to get another cup of coffee during church. I don't fully understand how all that works, but apparently it works because you're doing it. I believe it even though I can't see it. And I believe in the risen Savior that Thomas saw live and in person. And John saw live and in person. So John saw the empty tomb. He was shown the wounds of the risen Christ. And then John was sent out to spread the good news. He was sent out with the other disciples to spread the good news. Do you know, he personally experienced the most marvelous mandate that has ever been given. And can you imagine being there in person to be sent out by Jesus? Do you think it would have made a powerful impact on your life? 
If Jesus had been the one to send you out, uh, Jesus took this opportunity to commission his disciples to spread the truth of the resurrection all over the world. Jesus, who was authorized by God, now claimed full authority and authorized his followers to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And apparently, it had a pretty big impact on these disciples because just weeks after this, they went everywhere and began preaching the gospel. They didn't let religion stop them. They didn't let regimes stop them. They didn't let rulers stop them. They didn't let philosophers stop them. They didn't let geography stop them. Thomas, who we mentioned earlier, traveled all the way to India with the gospel. They didn't even let death stop them. Ten out of 11 were martyred for their faith. And John, whose words we're considering today, was boiled in oil and then exiled to live out his last days. These early disciples turned the world upside down for God because they truly witnessed the resurrection. You know, if Jesus' body had been stolen by the disciples, you think they'd have been willing to die for a lie? You think they would have willing to be martyred for a fraud? No, they truly witnessed the resurrection, and they knew that they had been authorized by Jesus himself to go. Did you know that our reasonable faith in the resurrection gives us the same authority that they were given? Because of our belief in eternal life, we share the same gospel, the same commission that John and the other disciples were given. As God sent Jesus into the world in real time, uh, he is sending us. On this Easter Sunday, more people may hear the gospel at one time than ever before in the history of the world. What if the God who has authorized us to go is using this pestilence to open the hearts of billions of people to hear his truth? You could be a part of spreading this good news of the resurrection right now. Uh, just send the link for this message to someone you're concerned about. Let that person know you care and you want them to have the best news ever. Because ladies and gentlemen, we get to be the modern disciples of Jesus through faith in the resurrected Savior, the same Savior that John saw and from whom John received his gospel commission. Wow, that's pretty impressive. That's amazing that we get to do the same thing that these disciples went to do. As the Father hath sent me, Jesus said, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And that brings us to this fourth part. John was spirit-filled for the work of the ministry. He was spirit-filled for the work of the ministry. Now, we're going to spend an entire Sunday on this later in the series. But I, I want you to understand the Holy Spirit aspect of John's personal experience. And if you'll go back with me to John 15, I want you to see something very unique. Uh, just days before, 
Jesus had told his disciples that they would bear witness because they had been with Jesus. And the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, would empower them to fulfill God's purposes. Look at John 15 and verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. These men were going to testify to the world what they had personally seen. And the Holy Spirit of God would testify of the same truth. They would have the Holy Spirit as their partner. It testified to the world. Now, let me illustrate how amazing it is to have the Holy Spirit as a partner. There are no sports going on right now, so I thought I'd bring some sports up today just to keep everybody going, moving along. Uh, if you're going uh, into a three-on-three -three basketball competition, and you can choose anybody you want, anywhere, to be on your team, let me tell you, you don't want Bob and Sally from next door to be your teammates, okay? You want Michael Jordan and LeBron James to be your teammates, or somebody like them. Why? Well, with them as your partners, the quality of your team goes way up because you may be the weak link, just saying. You may be vertically challenged like I am. You may not have a very good jump shot, uh, but their greatness helps the whole team move forward, and it compensates for your flaws. If you're playing flag football, in the park, and you can choose anybody in the world to be on your team. You don't want your Uncle Larry to be the quarterback and your cousin Eddie to be the wide receiver. You want Joe Montana or Tom Brady to be the quarterback and Jerry Rice or Calvin Johnson to be the wide receiver. Uh, if you're bowling a twosome for a million dollars and you could choose anybody in the world to be your partner, you don't want your Aunt Mabel who played in the league you want Dale Stein to be your partner. He is the best in the world. If you're playing doubles in table tennis for a million dollars and you could choose anybody in the world to be your partner, you don't want your childhood friend who's to come over to your house. You want Zuzin to be your partner. Why? He's the best in the world. But what am I saying? I'm saying that the Holy Spirit is by far the best life partner that you can ever have. And the only reason why a believer would choose not to partner with the Holy Spirit is a little thing called pride. I don't need the Holy Spirit to guide my marriage if I think I'm doing just fine on my own. I don't need the Holy Spirit to guide my parenting or my influence or my career if I feel like I have it all covered. See, pride always wants to be the best player on the team just to be able to claim the glory. Humility loves to be on the winning team no matter who shoots the shot, but pride wants to be the best player. And that's the only reason why you wouldn't choose the best partner available. You want the glory for yourself. The things that you submit to the Spirit, 
are the things you trust God to handle. The things you neglect to submit to the Spirit are the things you think you can handle on your own. The things that you don't think you need the Holy Spirit for. You know, here's what happened with the disciples after the resurrection. They were called before councils. They were persecuted. We already mentioned that most of them were martyred. But they had a testimony that was consistent in every situation. These are the men who had been with Jesus. That's what people said about them. These are the men who've been with Jesus. It wasn't about them. It was about him. It was all about what they had seen him do, what they'd heard him say, how he had changed their lives. And if your world revolves around you, you will never get to experience the power of the resurrection through the partnership of the Holy Spirit. When I say partner, I mean it very loosely because this is a partnership where he provides 100% of the power and where God receives 100% of the glory and where the entire identity of those who serve is grounded in the fellowship of his spirit. And so John saw the empty tomb. He was shown the wounds of the risen Christ. He was sent out with the gospel by Jesus himself. And he was spirit-filled for that work of ministry. This was his personal experience, which he wrote down so that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And believing we might have life in his name, just like John had. That brings us to the faith challenge on this Easter Sunday. The resurrection is what changes the focus from fear to faith. The resurrection, and only the resurrection, can change the focus from fear to faith. On any given day of any given year, if you focus on the things of this world, you will be burdened down with worry, with discouragement, with desperation, especially during difficult days when we are clearly traveling into uncharted waters. If your focus is on the short term, you'll live in fear. But when you add in the resurrection, your entire focus shifts. And friend, maybe you're asking a lot of questions right now. You aren't sure why you're afraid. You aren't sure why you're so anxious. You aren't sure why you don't have peace. You aren't sure why your hope is limited to the solutions provided on this earth. And maybe you've heard of Jesus, but you've never really given him your life. In 1 Corinthians 15, we find this statement, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But, but, now is Christ risen from the dead. And it goes on to say, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. 
Through Adam, we're all sinners in the human race. But through Jesus, we are given the answer to sin, the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection. And you can have hope that goes beyond this life only by accepting the gift of eternal life that the resurrection of Jesus provides. You might be saying, how do I accept the gift of eternal life? Well, just like you accept a gift on your birthday, you unwrap it and say thanks. And right now, if you want to claim the gift of life, the resurrection has assured you could say something like this in your heart. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I don't deserve eternal life, but because you died and rose again, that gift has been offered to me. I accept what you've done as the payment for my sins. I turn from my way to your way. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. If you just told Jesus you want him in your life, or if you have a question about knowing Jesus, I hope you'll let us know. You can private message us on Facebook. You can text or message or talk with one of our counselors right now at servechurch.org. You can even fill out a Connect card online to share the decisions you've made in following God. We are available to help you know and follow Jesus And I hope that you will share this message of eternal life with your friends. Send them the message for today that offers this hope. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John wrote that verse. And John wrote this gospel so that you might believe. And salvation is for all who will come. Let me pray with you. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for sending your one and only Son to come to this earth, to live as a human being, to live without sin, to hang on a wooden cross, and die, and pay the sacrifice for us. Thank you for defeating death by rising from the tomb. Thank you for offering to us the gift of eternal life. And God, I pray that you would work now on this Easter Sunday through the thousands and thousands of churches that are preaching this message of hope that people all over this nation and people all over every nation of the world would seek your face and that you would bring revival, not only to this land, but to every land, as we find hope in Jesus Christ. And we thank you for these things, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. He's risen indeed. God bless you. We'll see you tonight for a special gathering of praise.